In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. The student teaches the master. If the master is humble, he's challenging him with questions and just life situations. And now you've got to grow in that area to be able to help walk alongside and and sharpen or minister to that man. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army. We, we salute, salute you. you. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. I'm Jim Ramos, and as you heard, I'm here with our producer, good friend and brother from another mother, Dale Culver. What's going on today, buddy? I'm just hanging out with you, podcasting, champion floors. Yeah, and that's, yeah, I appreciate that part. Hey, I'm really <laughs> excited about our guests today. Uh, these guys, uh, generally speaking, come in a pair, and their names happen to both be Tom. And the cool thing about these guys is we're hosting the only Iron Sharpens Iron in the Pacific Northwest. And really, that goes all the way back to these guys, specifically Tom Cheshire. I met with Tom in Portland several years ago, and uh, from that relationship, I've been able to speak at their events. Which Tom? Tom Cheshire. Oh, okay. And then other events around the country. And then we're hosting our Iron Sharpens Iron event. And really, it goes back to that meeting with Tom, cigars at Kell's Tavern, and uh, having lunch out there probably four years ago, five years ago. Wow. So uh, when I think of these guys, I really love these guys and appreciate all they're doing. And our relationship goes way back, and they've really helped us to grow the ministry. And speaking of that, I need to offer a formal apology to the guys who listen to this podcast. Because for the last year, I've been saying we've been downloaded in 60 countries, and Lies. that is not true. <laughs> we found out it's 90. So I uh, want to apologize for that. <laughs> and that's a good thing. But hey, do you got a man word for me today? I do. Now, I'm going to guess the word discipleship because you're so vanilla. <laughs> is that the word? <laughs> What is it? I just went with the word. It's on the back page there. Relationship. Nope. Nope. That we've Mentoring. No. Nope. Protege. Uh, okay, uh, go ahead. Create. What? Yeah, it's in there. You can't just, just pick a random word and go with it. My word for random. the week is the. It, that's the, well, the is on there. I thought create is a pretty cool man word because men are created to create, I believe. We are put on this planet to do great things, create things. And not just sit back and let stuff happen, but to get out there, experiment with things, and to make things better. So yeah, that's why. I yeah, that no, that's good, man. I think men should be initiators. Men are leaders. Men need to get the ball rolling. Men are the tip of the spear, 
And so uh, they are the ones driving the force of the vision and creating uh, new things and seeing the big picture, right? So, right. hey, I want to talk about our guests today. I'm really excited to get these guys on the the podcast today. The first one I'll introduce you is Tom Cheshire. Tom's 65 years old, lives in Williamsville, Illinois, with his beautiful wife of 37 years, Jan. Uh, Tom's been in ministry for over 20 years. He's been an active member at National Coalition of Men's Ministry, NCMM, since 2002, as well as one of the charter members of the Iron Sharpens Iron National Men's Conferences, IS, it's called ISI. And in 2007, Tom founded his second nonprofit called Relevant Practical Ministry for Men, also known as RPM, which is serving ministry in local church. Uh, and it's, man, it's, it's been great to have him here. He's got a huge heart for discipleship. Tom is the author of Real Life Discipleship. The Ordinary Man's Guide to Disciple Making. Tom, it's great to have you on the show, man. Great to be here, Jim. Glad to be here. Are you guys in the middle of uh, conference season, or is that starting real soon here? We're getting close. February 22nd. And is that is that Champagne? No, O'Fallon, Terre Haute, Springfield, and Champagne is the order. All right. Well, I'm excited to see you guys in Springfield, and uh, I love being in Terre Haute. I love those guys, but this isn't gonna, it ain't going to happen this year for me, so... Hey, I want to introduce our other guests. We have two guests on today. Their names are both Tom. So if you hear me say old Tom, young Tom, Tom, it's because young Tom is not 65. He is 39 years old. He's married to Lisa, his beautiful wife of 15 years. And he's been for six years the full-time director of ministry and development with RPM, which is the organization that Tom Cheshire founded. And uh, he's been doing that and getting it done. These guys are great partnership, and they've got a great story. He's authored the short and sweet book, How to Disciple Men, and along with Tom Cheshire, co-authored Real Life Discipleship, The Ordinary Man's Guide to Disciple Making. Tom, great to have you on the show, man. Thanks, Jim. Super excited to have you guys. So we've had you both on our show before as individuals, and now we're going to have you together because every time I see you, you guys are functioning together. So this is going to be fun to see how you guys work. We're uh, very comfortable being together everywhere we go now. So we complement one another quite well. What I forget and miss say, Tom remembers and speaks correctly. And what he forgets and misspeaks, I remember and speak correctly. So we're, we're kind of eerily kind of, you know, joined at the hip for men. Uh, and uh, we just travel so much together. We eat and coached churches together that we are like a couple, quite honestly. So Tom Gensler, help me out here. I don't have where you live. Is it Decanter or something like this? Uh, Decatur, Illinois. Decatur. I knew it was something that sounded like Decatur. Decatur, Illinois. How far is that from where Tom Cheshire lives? Uh, it's about 45 minutes. Okay, so you guys are pretty close to each other. And right now you are not together. You're 45 minutes away right now? Right. Okay. And I'm, and I'm underground. You're underground? Yeah. He's in the yeah. bunker, bunker called his office. Oh, gosh, that's right. You guys have tornadoes out there. Hey, um, question. I'm going to throw you guys into what I call our rapid fire round. Are you guys ready to tackle this? Can, can I make a, a correction first? Yes. Tom turned 40 in July. Oh. So, yeah, I, I just want you to know he's he's really 40. He's old. That's a big deal. Do. My dad says a man is at his strongest at 40, and I had another guy tell me you're not a man until you're 40. So um, 40 is a big number. So for me, it was a big number because my belt size got a lot bigger at 40. So 40 is the new 21. You know it, baby. Hey, so I'm going to throw you guys into our rapid-fire round, and what I'm going to do here is you guys are – 
You guys do four Iron Sharpens Iron men's conferences every year. You travel around uh, the Indiana, Illinois, Missouri area coaching men in churches, maybe other states as well. And you guys interact a lot with some guys that are national men's ministry figures. So what I want to do is I want to have a competition. I'm calling this Old Versus Young. And I'm gonna go. Th- I'm gonna give you the names of men's organizations, and you have to tell me the founder. And Dale will keep score. We'll find out who wins this thing. Okay. All right. So not the president, the founder. All right. Here we go. We're gonna start with a age before beauty. So we're gonna go with a Tom Cheshire. Here we go. Ready? Founder of right. Promise Keepers. Bill McCarthy. Yes. Tom Young. Tom, founder of Man in the Mirror. Uh, Pat Morley. Yes. Tom Cheshire, the founder of, and this is a two, two, you can get one of two guys here, All Pro Dads. No idea. Tom, young Tom, want to steal? No. Tony Dungy or or Mark Merrill. Okay, uh, in Colorado, Noble Heart Ministry. This would go, no idea. No idea? Okay, that's Gary Barkalow. How about this one, Old Tom? I'm going to give you a slam dunk. Ransomed Heart Ministries. John Eldridge. Yes. Okay, here we go. Here we go, Gensler. If you don't get this one, we are not friends. Founder of Iron Sharpens Iron Men's Conferences. Uh, Brian Doyle. Okay, yeah, that was a tough one. This is almost as tough as this next one for Cheshire. Who founded On Target Ministries? Mm, Boy, that's a tough one. Vince Dacchioli. Okay, how about this one? Young Tom, who founded Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage? This is a Wisconsin guy. Um, Oh, uh, Jason Karamatosis? No, Tom Cheshire, do you know? Mark Gunger. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. Tom Cheshire. Who founded Love and Respect? Willard? No. Gensler, do you know? These guys are killing me. Emerson Egricks. Okay, how about this one? This is going to be a tough one here. How about out of North Carolina? Who fa- who's the founder of Vigilante Truth? Either of you. Bo Quickle. Okay, how about this one? Gensler, if you don't know this one, you should know this one, Gensler. Gensler, who founded Noble Warrior? Mike Young. Mike Young, yes. Cheshire, how about this one? Who founded, out of Portland, Oregon, Better Dads? I can see his face, but I can't think I'll of his I'll give name. you his first name is Rick. Yeah, uh, Rick Johnson. Yes, I knew you'd get this one. How about this one, Gensler? I know you know this one. Who founded, out of Portland, Oregon, Dad Tired? Uh, Jared Locke. Yes, Jared Lopes. We I was calling him Lopez, but okay. How about this one, Cheshire, Everyman Ministries? Well, I I mean, you want to say Kenny Luck, but I don't think it's. I think it's Atterburn. Oh well, I went with Kenny Luck, so that's the right answer. How about okay. this one, Gensler? Who founded Cave Time? Jeff Baugh. Yes. How about how about Cheshire? Who founded Rough Cut Men? Uh, yeah, I know his name. This was with him. Can't I know. <laughs> He's also out of Oregon now in Florida. Come on. He was out of Oregon? Yeah, he like Lake oh, Oswego. Get, David Dusick. Yep. Gensler got it. How about this one? This guy's a uh, long gone, but I think you might know this one, Cheshire. I don't know if Gensler would. He's a little bit young. How about Christian Men's Network? Paul Cole. Well Ed. Ed Cole, Paul's running it. Yes. How about this one? You guys might know this one. Gensler, you might know this one. Who founded? I'm gonna give you a here we go. He's the founder of an organization called Protectors and the author of No More Christian Nice Guy. I don't know. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Oh. He said it. Cheshire, you got it. What'd you say? 
Paul Coughlin. Paul Coughlin, yes. How about this one? Uh, this one's out of Colorado. I don't know if you'll know this one, but he's been on our show and he's pretty well known. Heart to Heart Counseling Centers. He wrote a oh, book yeah. called He wrote a book called Clean. Yeah, I saw it years and years ago. Uh, I, I'll know the name when you say it. He was a Promise Keepers guy too, speaker. Yeah, he uh, he did a podcast years ago or a video thing where it was a live simulcast. Uh huh. Um, it was a men's thing. It was really good. I, I know his name, but I can't think. Doctor Doug Weiss. Yeah, that's it. How about this one? So who's next? Who do I have next? Cheshire. Cheshire. I'm sorry, Gensler. Gensler. Okay, because this is a slam dunk. This guy, I met him at your conferences. The purity coach. Oh, uh, Steve Atner. Yes. Okay, how about this one? Uh, I know you come to Oregon all the time there, Cheshire, and this guy's organization started out of Oregon. It goes Bill by Perkins. several names, but what'd you say? Bill Perkins. No. He, he's, well, I don't even know what organization he has, so I couldn't put him on here. Sure if I guess without actually hearing the question. <laughs> that would be good. This guy started Pure Desire. Oh, also uh, Conqueror series. Also, like yeah, four. Yeah. I think uh, the eighth, the Marine pilot. Uh, yes, Rob, uh, Robert. Yep. Ted Roberts. Ted Roberts got it. How about this one? This is out of uh, North Carolina. I don't know if you guys would know this guy, but he started a ministry up there, Zoe Ministries. No, I don't. Michael Thompson. So let's see what the score is here. What do we got going on? Uh, by one, the old guy. Cheshire, you beat him out by one. And we, we, we don't do any participation trophy. Give Gensler another chance. Gensler lost. It's just the way it works. Yeah. So, hey, well, yeah. good job, guys. <laughs> I, I, need to, I need to acknowledge something because this is pretty significant in, our, in Tom and I's relationship, okay? He never remembers anybody's name. I mean, like people were around all the time. He's like, what's that guy's name? What church is he from? So for him to remember all the names that he remembered, I'm very proud of him. I Good job, Tom. Young. T- hey, Tom, who founded Men in the Arena? <laughs> Some jacked off name, Jim Ramos. <laughs> Double points for that one. Okay. And the sidekick. Yeah, and the sidekick. Oh, geez. Hey, guys, we're going to get into your book. And I, I just want to say, first of all, thank you guys so much for writing this book. I have a library I'm looking at right now, and I bet I have 200 books that deal with men, men's ministry, marriage, family. And um, I'm going back in my mind. I cannot remember ever reading a book like this on one-on-one men's discipleship. And so you have written a book that has met a, a need. And it's a, I love the book. It's 128, 130 pages. It's very easy to read. I read it in about an hour and a half. And I really do appreciate this book. So thanks, guys, for writing this book. The book is titled Real Life Discipleship, The Ordinary Man's Guide to Disciple Making. So thank you, guys. Our pleasure. Hey, before I get into the book, I want you, and you you talk about this in the book, but will you guys just take a moment? I'll give you each a chance here. Tell your story. In other words, how did you guys meet? What was going on when that happened? And then what happened in this discipleship relationship that you guys had together? So how did Tom and I meet? Yeah, and how did you start this relationship? Because you didn't just one day wake up and go, hey, let's be partners in ministry. Yeah. Well, you know, again, as men, we can look back on things, and I I have much more clarity of how God moved in things looking back than I do in the moment even, or even, you know, even sort of prophesying, if you will, and trying to see where God is moving in in front of me. Uh Uh-huh. But 
honestly, uh, when I started RPM in 2007, a, a very consistent prayer of mine was that God would raise up another man or other men that would have the same heart to be passionate about reaching and discipling men. So quite honestly, I believe Tom Gensler was an answer to prayer um, from that perspective. Uh, the, the way our relationship began, and I think we remember it pretty, pretty closely, Tom reached out to me uh, and said, hey, you know, I don't, I don't remember how that first phone call went or whatever, um, but it quickly turned into, you know, are you, I'm willing to meet with you um, if you, and I think, I don't know, Tom, maybe I went to Peter first to meet you, or maybe I said, you need to come over here. I, I don't remember what, but um, we started meeting fairly quickly, and I, you know, kind of got a feel for Tom was and where he was spiritually, where he was maritally, where everything um, at the time he was, he didn't have any kids. Um, and so uh, my go-to uh, at the time was, and just hearing Tom's story uh, and where he was, was to take him through men's fraternity, uh, the classic uh, authentic manhood and, and start there. Uh, we ended up going through all three of them. But I started there with him, and that's how our relationship began. And um, through the process of, you know, me discipling him and him continuing to do life and work in a business that he was good at but wasn't really fulfilled. Um, and then I think, you know, he felt like God was clearly calling him to join me and what that looked like and different uh know if I'd call it false starts, but he pursued uh, a deal with uh, family life down in Little Rock that, that quite honestly, they, they didn't accept him. <laughs> and so he came off of that and, you know, I said, hey, I'm, I'm still here and uh, I, I see potential in you and, you know, I'm sorry if Dennis Rainey doesn't, but I do. So <laughs> he, he threw his hat in with me and um, we, the board you know, required him to raise a level of support before we let him uh, step out into ministry with us. That was a mistake that I had made early on, um, burning through savings, personal income, personal, you know, resources to, to fund myself and the ministry. So, um, and he did, and that's the rest, as they say, is history. That's my version of the story. Tom in, Gensler? In his. Yeah, so I was at the bottom. Whenever I first met Tom Cheshire, uh, my wife, had uh we were we were separated and i was uh on this quest of trying to discover what it meant to be a godly man and no one could answer the question for me and so i went looking and at the time i met this uh, guy who did these iron sharpens iron conferences and he said he was available to me and so i called him and uh i don't as tom said i don't exactly remember how the phone call went it's 13 years ago now but when something like, hey, uh, I'm looking for someone to teach me how to be a godly man, and that word now is discipleship, but that was before that word was really a hot word in the Christian community, and um, and he said he thought he could teach me that, and so we, I drove to Springfield every week for uh, about a year and a half, and uh, when I wasn't meeting with Tom, we were, uh, I was on my downtime from work uh, watching the uh, Robert Lewis Men's Fraternity DVDs, which I tell people, so Robert taught me manhood from a DVD, and then Tom modeled it like in life. And uh, that combination for me, really, uh, God used to penetrate my heart and to teach me how to uh, live as a man of God. I appreciate that, guys. 
On page 23 of your guys' book, uh, one of you wrote, or both of you, I don't know, you said the fruit of discipleship is simple, becoming more and more like Christ as we are maturing our faith. The other aspect of discipleship, and I want to stop right here because Tom Gensler, you just said that Tom Cheshire was available for you. So you went on and said uh, right in the middle of the page here, the other aspect of discipleship is that we must be faithful, available, and teachable. I used to call that fat, being fat. Faithful, available, and teachable. And so what you're saying, uh, Tom Gensler, is that Tom Cheshire was faithful, available, and teachable, and that's what drew you to him, correct? And he was modeling a godly, godly manhood to you. Yes. Okay, so Tom Gensler, Cheshire... You made a couple statements earlier, and I want to ask you about them. You said that we're, when we look for men, we're looking for men with the same heart. And then you also said that you, that you just said Rainey didn't see his potential, but you saw his potential. So how important is having the same heart and seeing a younger guy or a younger in the Lord, a man who's younger in the Lord, their potential when you enter a disciple-making relationship? Is that is that something that you went, hey, this is important. I see uh, Gensler had uh, great potential. I saw that we had the same heart. Do you think that's uh, those are prerequisites in this discipleship-making process that you guys put put out in your book? Um, uh, yes and no, right? I, I think those statements were made as far as joining me in the ministry uh-huh. more than disciple-making, right? Um, which joining me in the ministry came out of the process of disciple making. Does that make sense? Okay. I gotcha. And, and so, but, but I think that there is some of that, right. And, and I've even given uh, Tom Gensler kudos in other places uh, as well, that Tom, Tom has a really a much better ability. I think than I do sometimes to see potential in people that, that I not, not, not that I would write off, but I would just go, yeah, probably not going to, invest in them right yeah i think tom has has done that but i I think you know again there's a part of this where in disciple making we're talking about now that that there is a there is a give and take right because we use hot and fat right are you familiar with hot no honest open and transparent so we believe the disciple maker is is more the hot and the disciple E is more of the fat, right? Okay. So I need to model what I'm trying to disciple to my disciple E, if you will. So I have to be honest, open, and transparent. We're, we're looking for young, for people in that disciple-making process that will make themselves available, that are faithful, and that they're teachable. And I would say the T is probably the one that is the most common stumbling block for a lot of men is who are you and who the heck are you to try and teach me anything, bro? Um, and so when you don't have that teachable spirit, the 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 faithful and available, I, I, obviously you need all three of them, but I think the teachable one is more of a, you know, we probably just need to part company and wish each other well and move on down the road to, you know, other, other people. Uh, Gensler, do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I would say uh, not everyone's personalities uh, mesh well together. Yeah. And uh, what I've learned, what I've learned in that is uh, initially when I was started discipling guys, I would get frustrated and, and, and tell my wife that the guys were wasting my time. And uh, what I learned from that was they weren't wasting my time. It just wasn't their time. 
and uh, maybe I'm not the guy. And so, because I've also learned that uh, discipleship, a lot like a loaf of bread, one of my mentors has described to me, there's 16 pieces in a loaf of bread. Uh, over the course of your life, uh, if you're blessed enough, you should have 16 different key relationships that men invest into you. And so each guy brings something different to the table. I've not found anyone who brings everything to the table in a discipling relationship. And so, uh, you know, like Cheshire taught me how to be a godly man and a godly husband. Jeff Schulte taught me how to uh, look at my heart and figure out why I acted the way I acted. Bob Boland is the nicest guy I've ever met, and he taught me how to be nicer to people. Uh, and, and so these different relationships represent Brian Doyle has been discipling me really recently on, on uh, being a homeschooling dad. And how do I, how do I support my wife and that? How do I homeschool my kids better? And so each guy represents something different. And so I think a guy shouldn't enter into it saying I'm the whole package because no one's the total package. Jesus was the only total package. And so we're just coming through the, 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 the into the relationship, hoping to uh, guide a guy closer to Christ likeness. And what does that look like? And how do you do that? And I just want to be a part of this person's spiritual journey. Yeah, I really appreciate that, man. And um, I want to go back to this open, honest, open and transparent. I think it's safe to say we should never say that our that our protege is hot. Uh, you know, that could get a little awkward. But I want to talk about this open, honest or honest, open and transparent. I, I kind of like opt. Well, no, I guess I couldn't do that. So on page 23... And 65 in your book, you guys have the same quote. So you write the same exact quote twice. And I took that as, hey, guys, this is important. I need to listen to this. And you're talking about being honest, open, and transparent, a.k.a. hot, or faithful, available, and teachable, a.k.a. fat. I think it has to go with this quote that you've actually mentioned on page 23 and 65. And, guys, I love this quote. I think this is so powerful because you you talk about this and and Tom Gensler, you mentioned the slices of bread and not everyone you said fits quote the total package. <laughs> so on page twenty three and sixty five, you have the same quote and it says discipleship is messy, honest, open, and transparent time spent with others. It involves confessing sin, forgiveness, and fighting together with accountability. Most importantly, is built on the foundation of reading and applying the truth of God's word in our lives. And guys, wow, what a powerful quote. Uh, what do you mean by messy, honest, open, and transparent? And where do secrets fit into the discipleship relationship? Tom Cheshire, why don't you go first? Well, I think messy just because, you know, again, it's like any relationship, right? Just think of your marriage. Um, you know, it's not all puppy dogs and high fives yeah. from the time I do till the time you go to the grave, right? Um, there's, there's, seasons there's difficulties there's you know there's there's relationships there's in all relationships there's conflict and and conflict isn't bad in and of itself right how you respond to it how you react to it can be bad but conflict is healthy because it you know it it confronts it it helps us to you know call a spade a spade if you will Mm -hmm. and so i think you know again you go to the the uh the, the title of the conferences, Iron Sharpens Iron, right? I mean, if you just think of that imagery, iron on iron, what is that, what is that going to emit? That's going to emit some sparks. That's going to generate some heat, you know? So if you think of it from that perspective, that's what a good disciple-making relationship should be. It shouldn't be like everything's okay, you're okay, I'm okay, let's pat each other on the back and just c- continue doing stupid crap, right? Um, 
we should be able to, you know, hold and have those hard conversations, you know, Hey, I don't like what you said. I'm, I'm struggling with how you, you know, did this or how you do that or, you know, so, so that's the messiness that, that, that I think we're trying to capture in a word, right. Is that it's, it should be that way. And, and so again, when it gets that way, that's not when you bail, right. Mm. Um, let that be a warning that it is hard. It is messy. And you're, you're going to have those times. And if it's really worthwhile, you'll stick through it. I mean, again, we are just trying to model what we see Christ modeling in the scriptures, right? Well, that's and so Christ good. Yeah. Frustrated at times with his disciples and his disciples, I'm sure are probably frustrated with him. You know, like, who's he talking to? Where's he getting the, you know, it's like they're, they're having all these little side conversations back behind Jesus's back, you know, but does Jesus go, you know, go on, I'm done with you. Even though they're dunderheads, he sticks with them, right? Because he knows that they're the hope of the church. They're the hope of the of the world, right? To spread the gospel after he's gone. So it's the same sort of thing, I think. That'd well, be my- when I think of iron sharpens iron, the image that guys wrongly have is two swords slapping. That's not what that's about. When I sharpen a blade, I have a sharpening agent and I have the blade. So I'll have a steel or a stone and the blade. So one is harder than the other, and that's where the sparks are. That's where the sharpening happens. And I have found in this discipleship relationship that at times I am being sharpened, and at times I am getting sharpened. And so it's not two swords fighting. It's it's what you're saying, Thomas. You're saying one is sharpening, and sometimes so so Gensler, you know, uh, in a discipleship relationship, sometimes Tom is sharpening you. But tell me about the time when the student sharpens the teacher. How does that work? How does the student sharpen the teacher? Gensler? Uh, student sharpening the teacher. I think, um, I think in any relationship, it's a give and take. I think uh, as, as someone is older and is investing, you're learning. I think as a, as a younger person in the faith, you're, you're both learning from each other, right? And so yeah. I think it's uh, uh, entering into a defective relationship saying that it doesn't just mean a sensei, you know, teaching the student to wax on, wax off. It's a, it's a give and take. It's, it's, you know, like I come from a, a business background. And so I think it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of, I had to relearn everything about um, working in the church world because all of my tactics that worked in the business world were ruthless and they didn't work mm. in the church world. Uh, so I think in that way, but, but in that I bring a lot of like business one of my conversations and how I even related to the ministry and how I do stuff, I think completely differently than uh, like a Tom Cheshire thought. And so I think, you're both learning in this relationship. And yeah. something I would add about the whole messy word is that I think most guys don't know how to be in a relationship. And right. so, in fact, I've, in, I've invited guys to coffee, and they've told me no one has ever invited me to coffee before. I think that's a little strange. And so <laughs> I think a lot of discipleship with a more mature man investing in a younger man is saying, let me teach you how to be in a relationship. And so that may even be, I've had to teach guys, bro, you got to be timely. If we say we're meeting at 3 p.m., you need to be here at 2.55, not 3.15, or I'm calling you at 3.20. Well, I think a lot of times we have to teach a guy to be in a relationship, which means that we're loving, we're kind, we're gentle. Yeah, we, we, we need to be firm at times, but I think a lot of guys who need the gospel, they don't know what it is like to be friends with a a uh, a stable, mature, godly man. They know what it's like to be friends with like jokers and smokers and midnight tokers but they don't know what it looks like to be with a man of God. And so 
but we we can't be so rigid to say, well, you're late, I'm done, which is kind of seems to be like what a lot of guys operate under versus let's give grace, man. And like I, I went and I went and sat Panera, got my stuff, got comfortable, and then 30 minutes into it, I get a call, hey man, I forgot we were supposed to meet. Hey, don't either either come now, I got time, or we'll just reschedule. You know, and obviously I'm not going to do that 15 times, but I'm going to do that three or four times to try to model what it looks like to be in a relationship. And I think a lot of guys who are thinking about investing need to realize that most guys don't know what it means to be in a relationship and they don't mean to be disrespectful or waste our time, but they have no idea what it means to sit across from a table and talk about real life. Yeah, that's good, man. Hey, guys, we're going to take a break. We're going to hear from our sponsor. We're going to come right back at you. The Men in the Arena is a nonprofit organization with the mission to inspire men towards becoming their best version and changing their world. Every man in the arena matters. Our Men in the Arena closed Facebook forum for men is a great way to dialogue about manhood with men from around the world. There we have lively discussions on every topic of manhood imaginable. Join that group today because of the passion to see men get out of the bleachers and into the arena jim wants to offer some powerful resources to all men who visit our website at meninthearena.org give us your email and we'll send you a free pdf version of the field guide it's jim's 365 day bathroom book for men it's the study of manly words in the bible illustrated with great stories this is also a great resource for all our arena men we'll also add you to our weekly equipping blast including jim's personal blog prayer requests and weekly boots on the ground mission Men, the stakes are high. The pressure is on. Do you hear the roars of those you love and those anonymous voices in the bleachers pleading for you to enter the fight? Because when you get it, everyone wins. Now, back to our episode. So, Gensler, sure appreciate the uh, Steve Miller Band quote in there. I did catch that, by the way. (laughs) And, uh, hey, guys, uh, I need to ask this question, and I haven't asked this question. I apologize. Uh, you wrote this book, uh, Real Life Discipleship, The Ordinary Man's Guide to Disciple Making. Why did you, and I know Tom Cheshire, you and I have had coffee uh, and lunch together, and you were saying, I'm writing this book. I'm not, I mean, this isn't my thing. You know, I'm not, you know, ex, you know th- but there's this need. Why did you guys decide we have to write a book? You, you, in your book, you mentioned the number one question pastors ask you. Was that the inspiration for the, for writing this book? Yeah. Yeah. I, the, the book is, truly born out of our ministry yeah um and the relationships that we've had i mean what tom just said that goes from pastorate to the lost when it comes to men yeah right that have never been in a disciple making relationship and don't really even understand how to disciple or be in a relationship with another man that's pastorate to lost and every man in between right so um that and that the guide, which you see the last few chapters of the last chapter of the book points to like, you know, the guide and we give you a free download of the whole guide on our website. But that's what, where it started was we just were using this and, and it was just the things that we were doing, the questions we were asking and the scriptures that we were um, laying on top of that, those questions and saying, you know, this needs to be a book. It just, it's this simple. Because that's the other thing. When people would get the guide, their response would be, really, it's this simple? It's like, yeah, it's this simple. You just grab a guy and start having conversation with him and listen to what he says and, you know, build a relationship and then start opening the Bible. Yeah, it's really that easy. It's really that easy and that simple. But I'm going to ask you, Tom Gensler, about a quote from your book that might make it not so easy and not so simple. Because on page three of the book, you elicit what I call a warning. You don't call it a warning, but I call it a warning. 
And you say this, discipleship is not easy, failure is ripe, and rejection is high. It's going to take patience, perseverance, self-awareness, and a whole lot of holy boldness to invest in men the way Jesus did. And I think that's such an honest quote, you guys, because it's like managing my money, right? It's the most, it's the easiest thing I'll ever do. It's the most difficult thing I'll ever do. And so at the same time, Cheshire, it is easy, but also you said it's not easy. And so we have this paradox of discipleship. So Gensler, will you walk us through that paradox and why men uh, generally, genuine, generally avoid discipleship. What's this? What's the obstacle here? So I think uh, the enemy, the enemy Satan is really good at lying to men, and so a lot of men who I think are capable of investing into other men spiritually feel unqualified, and that would be the number one thing we hear from uh, just the general layman. Because this book was written to the ordinary man, mm-hmm. uh, and, and so in that way. I've, re- I've, I've read books on discipleship from really smart people, and I didn't understand most of the book. So the recent man's guide was we wanted the ordinary man guy to be able to pick it up and go, hey, man, I can do this. And so in that way, the, the biggest thing we hear from ordinary guys in every church, because there's hundreds of guys in every church, is I don't feel qualified. And when you peel back the layers of why they don't feel qualified— you end up finding out that it's a self-confidence issue. It's a, yep. I don't feel like I know enough about the Bible, those kinds of things. And so in that way, uh, we try to set you up to say, with these failures, right. So Tom and I would make the case that maybe two out of 10 relationships will look like they bear measurable fruit. Not that the other eight didn't, but maybe timing. It may be uh, you're just one of the guys in, the, in their life to kind of spur them on to the next step. But you, you're not going to get to see what's growing, you know, in the big picture. Um, and so helping guys catch that, it really is as simple as imparting what you've learned spiritually into another man and to help him grow spiritually. But yet that's not that simple to do because you have a lot of things. There's, there's this unseen spiritual battle. Satan doesn't want you equipping and investing men. He doesn't want you investing in your own son or your son-in-law. Uh, why? Because, uh, as Kenny says, uh, men are like a stick of dynamite and they're going to blow they have a positive or negative blast zone. And if we get men focused on Christ, a man's blast zone can be huge uh, for uh, for advancing of the kingdom. But also, we don't have to look very far to see a negative man blast zone of a guy who's laid carnage in his marriage, messed up his work life. You know, kids don't talk to him. All of these different things that it, it seems like men are really good at messing things up. Yet a man harnessed in, uh, in submission to the Lord... Holy Spirit speaking through him can uh, can far exceed uh, anything that uh, Tom and I have been able to do in our own ministry uh, by simply equipping, encouraging, and empowering men to see that failure is right. Uh, yet uh, that's part of uh, you know just leading courageously. Uh, you know, I tell guys there's good and bad pressure, and I'll end on this piece right. There's good and bad pressure, and uh, bad pressure is payday loans calling me because I got too much money out on the hook on payday loan, which you shouldn't be going there in the first place. Good pressure is uh, I got this young man that I'm discipling and he's counting on me and like he's asking me hard questions and like I don't have all the answers to that and I'll tell guys that's good pressure like lean into that pressure feel that responsibility accept it why because that's what Jesus did yeah that's good you know Brian Doyle our mutual friend said men are made for pressure. And I, I think you're absolutely right. There's good and bad, and we're made for that. And and we are made for pressure that will explode, positively or negatively. You know, I believe when a man gets it, 
Everyone wins. And so, but when a man doesn't get it, everyone loses. So, hey, on pages 32 and 64 of your book, you, you define discipleship two different times in two different places, which is awesome. And I want to go through your definition of discipleship. And Tom Cheshire, I want you to walk me through how you came to this and how does a formal discipleship meeting look? What does it look like and how long does it last? So here's what you wrote. At virtually the same thing on two different pages. One man invest discipleship is one man investing in one or more men by walking alongside them on a regular basis, allowing them to see how we pray, open the Bible, and practically apply those truths to our life. Marriage, families, workplace communities, and churches. Then you you go on to say later on that there is no shortcut to allowing others to be with us and see how we live and react to everyday life. Guys, first of all, thank you for that definition. It's it's amazing. You, I, I can tell that you thought through this and you have steps and you have different ways you want these guys to progress in this relationship. Will you talk us through this uh, definition, Cheshire? Well, yeah. So one, we wanted to make the definition hopefully as succinctly as we could, right? But not not what we would call stupidly succinctly, right? Like a lot of people are like, well, what's discipleship? Well, it's like being like Jesus. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, 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 that's helpful. Thanks, Captain Obvious. Yeah. So we, we just tried to actually write the definition in a way that as, again, succinctly as we could said basically what we believe it is that what the book is about and what we've been trying to do individually in our, our lives and in our churches. Right. And so that is, that's the whole, you know, relational aspect of it. You know, that's one of the words that we use all the time. I use all the time. Just had an elder meeting here the other night, and it got brought up like three or four times. Relational discipleship, right? So so we're just trying to define relational discipleship in a sentence or maybe a long sentence of what it, what it looks like, right? That it's one or more guys, right? So we're not trying to dictate it's only one-on-one we believe there's value in you know two or three or four if it gets too big though it gets too convoluted and all the other things break down so we think smaller is better again if we use jesus model he had the 12 but he had the three right so and we're not jesus by the way so yeah one or two and he had uh, the one really he had peter he had the one yeah yeah so we're just trying to kind of again what we see scripture doing and how we're, we're trying to do it, how we've done it in our lives. Typically I'd say a high percentage, 90% of all the disciple relationships I've been in over the years have been more one-on-one. But I've been in a few where there's been a couple of guys and me. So it it, it doesn't, again, we're not trying to get hung up on a number, right? Um, And then it is, it's just walking alongside each other on a regular basis, meaning there's gotta be some consistency, right? Like, we would say weekly, I would say weekly is the, is the right rhythm. Right. But I agree. there's guys I've done it with where it's every other week. But then like I, I tried to tell them in the beginning, if we miss one, it's a month before we've gotten back together again. Um, and so I, I, we would say weekly, but again, it's kind of like I've said about uh, the spiritual discipline of, of reading and getting into the word, right. Should be daily. Right. Agreed. But I'll, I'll, I'll get off my legalistic horse for a moment <laughs> and say, okay, let's be consistent, right? That we're in the word more days of the week than we aren't. All yeah. right. Can we go, can we soften a little bit to go there? So it's the same sort of thing with this, right? Um, that we should consistently be meeting uh, and, and 
then it's just the, the things that we're trying to do together and model together, opening the scripture, praying, confessing sin, doing those sorts of things. And then having some sort of agreed study, if you will, of, of a chapter or a verse or a book or whatever that we're going to go through and we're going to read in our spare time and then come back together and share what the Holy Spirit has helped us see about ourselves and what we're doing or what, how this applies to our life or our marriage or our job or the world or whatever, right? And just try to make it very practical. Again, you go to the ministry name, Relevant Practical Ministry. We're, we're, we're very practical oriented that we're just trying to help men be better men. You know? I appreciate that, Tom, so much. So, and you've discipled personally over—is it seventy-five or hundred? It was you know, in the book. I, I, I'm not a numbers guy, and I kind of hate that. You know, I've been, you know. Well, I just whatever. read it. That's why I'm asking. I mean, it, it, it gives credibility to your practice. We tried to come up with a number. I don't know. You know, I mean, I didn't sit down and go, hmm, "Let's see," but I, just on an average of the years that I've been doing it and the different churches and different relationships that I've been in. 100, Tom's saying. So, uh, yeah, well, no, that adds credibility. So this is something you've done a lot. You know, I I started uh, discipling a young man. He's 23. He's a youth pastor. And I said to him after we were done, I said, listen, man, I really believe in you. you got great potential. And I just want to say one thing. If I ever ask you a question, I want you to tell me the honest answer, no matter how bad it sounds to you. And if you ever ever lie to me, we are going to have a massive problem. And so you have mentioned more than more than once in the book, and then again, Tom, you mentioned confessing sin. And so, Tom Gensler, how do you deal with confession practically? How do you deal with practical confession and seeing through the secrets? Is there is there a way that you see that, or do you see because secrets? I think I see that destroying men regularly. So, how do you deal with secrets versus confession? So I think it takes time. I think uh, one of the biggest things that guys miss in the discipling relationship is actually developing a relationship. And so when we uh, spend time with another man and get to know them on an intimate level and they learn a lot about their family, learn a lot about them. And so I'm meeting with a guy to disciple him and making it strictly business. It becomes personal. Uh, a lot of these guys end up being my uh my friends and sidekicks at conferences and things like that. Guys, you see me bringing, I bring guys with me everywhere I go. Those are guys that I'm investing in most likely. And so in that way, um, you know, it, it becomes easy to, uh, you know, share transparency and honesty. Cause, and I also assume things. I assume every guy's wrestling with lust and potentially had a porn problem in the past, maybe not active, but, and if a guy tells me he hasn't, probably lying. You know, I, I assume a guy's struggling with his marriage. He's, he's, uh, he's wrestling with how I'm scratching my head. I don't understand my wife. Most guys feel like they're not good dads. Most guys don't like their job. I go into my discipling relationship already knowing these things. Yes. Kenny taught me, uh, Kenny Luck taught me where he tracks men five ways through pain, people, purpose, power, and play. The number one thing we attract men with is by pain. And so I understand that I have these same pains, these same struggles. And so I go into these relationships knowing that. And so I know guys have these issues. Now I was like, for example, I was just with a guy, uh, a ministry leader. And he said, all, this is all he had to say. He said to me, uh, hey, he said, next time you ask me when the last time I viewed pornography, it better be 2019. And I said, understood. He didn't want to talk about it. This, this guy is, is, is a ministry leader. He knows the right answers. He knows all the stuff. He got caught up. He got caught up in a moment. He made a mistake. 
He doesn't need, you know, me to tongue lash him and whip him and make him do all these things. And so, and then there's other guys who are younger in the faith that I'll say, Hey bro, like you really need to get covenant eyes or triple X watch.com. You need to make your accountability partner. You need to invest the money. It's going to cost you 15 bucks a month to get covenant eyes, but it's worth the investment to give your wife peace of mind, to give you accountability. You should be a man living above reproach. Yep. And I get four or five emails a week of guys that, that I'm there. one of their accountability partners. And in that way, that's for them, you know, just being able to say, I'm, I'm trying to live the life that I claim that I'm trying, want, wanting to be this godly man. But dealing with guys' sins, for me, I try to be loving and gracious. Uh, last thing anybody wants is to get beat up on. Uh, last thing guys want is to feel like you're a, know, you're a know-it-all. And so I usually lead with my own failures and struggles. I usually lead. Uh, and so I make guys feel comfortable really quickly by saying, Hey bro, I don't have an active porn problem, but I used to have a big porn problem. And I, when my wife left me, I can tell you a crazy story. I wouldn't put it on this podcast, but it was all around, you know, pornography. Uh, and so uh, I, I can relate to you in that way. And I can relate to struggling, feeling not like I'm a good dad. I can struggle. I can relate to struggling with, you know, my marriage and in my finances and, and am I in the right career field and am I doing the right things? And so I just relate to guys by, by my honest confession of where I'm at. In, in bringing the gospel into that, God's word into those things, and then that's taking the real world and then applying God's truth to it and helping guys live in that. Well, and you had mentioned <clears throat> Tom Gensler in the book. I think it was you who mentioned it, that one of the things you appreciate about Tom Cheshire was he was a godly man, and then and that you talked about the ability to watch your mentor or that your disciple maker in action. So there's an element of, it's great that you're teaching me this, but I want to watch you work through that and how does vulnerability work in that process tom cheshire but you know uh i am who i am right i'm i'm pretty i'm pretty what you see is what you get and so tom i think in the early years and even still to to this day is around me and my wife much more than i'm around tom and his wife right and he sees me react well and not react well you know uh i mean uh he sees me and I tell him, you know, from time to time, hey, I, you know, I had a rough go at it with Jan and I had to apologize, you know. So I'm trying to, from from that perspective, my kids are, we're all pretty grown. So Tom hasn't really, I mean, he sees me interact with my children in some form or fashion or has. But from the perspective of just, you know, being real that, you know, Jan and I have been married, 30, like you said, 37 years and we don't always, you know, see eye to eye, especially when you're doing things, you know, yeah. I mean, you're you got a difference of opinion on how something should be done or whatever. And, you know, I realize I'm pretty hard headed to be polite. And, uh, my wife has lovingly yielded to my hard headedness. in a lot of times where she could have easily come back and, and thrown it right in my face and said, I told you so. Right. But she didn't. She, she. I'm sure she probably thought it, right? <laughs> but didn't throw that back in my face. But I've had to go to her then and go, "You were right. You know, your discernment, your intuition about this person or about this situation or about this decision was right, and I didn't heed it." So I, I try to share those failures, if you will, with Tom on a regular basis. Of, yeah, I'm just being real. You know, it's. I love my wife, and she serves the ministry in an incredible way, but. We don't always get along. Yeah. That's why I said. <clears throat> Welcome to marriage, right? Yeah. So, so I guess that's why I try to model vulnerability and to, you know, 
And I think, you know, again, it goes back, you know, you were talking about discipleship and, and all the discipling I've made, but this really kind of stems from the way that I was discipled by Scott Brinley for a good number of years, especially in those very early years of him modeling that to me, right? So it's mm-hmm. kind of like that father-son relationship, right? Like we are going to be kind of like a byproduct of how our dad raised us in some form or fashion, right? Either we're not going to do the things he was really bad at, or we're going to really make sure that we do the things he was really good at, right? So Scott Brinley set the model for me as a discipler that that I go on and have gone on to try and model with other people because that's how he modeled it to me. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's really good, man. And one of the things I didn't get out of the book, but I, I know that this is a part of what you both believe, so I want to ask this question. The book really pushes to go and make a disciple and, and to walk alongside of a guy, but tell me the benefits that you've seen personally and how you've grown personally from disciple making. So you're standing back, you're the disciple maker. Tell us about the spiritual growth and the practical growth that you've seen in your lives as disciple makers instead of the student. What's the benefit for you as in your spiritual growth? So, I mean, it's, it's immense. It's, un, it's unmeasurable, right? Because again, Scott Brinley was modeling it to me, but the first place that I tried to apply it was with my family. Mm. And so I got a dose of reality real quick when my, you know, eight or 10 year old daughter would be, we'd read some scripture and she'd go, what does that mean? And I'd be like, Oh crap. I don't know. <laughs> right? So, so it forced me then to go study, pray, um, break out some sort of commentary or something, right. To try and be able to answer for myself because I clearly didn't know mm-hmm. what scripture was talking about or what it meant there. And so that, that just, it, that's a thousand times over, right? When you were talking a while ago about the student and the, and the master, that's what the student teaches the master. The student teaches the master. If he, if the master's humble, the student teaches the master all the time because he's challenging him with questions and just life situations that you've a never dealt with, or you don't struggle with or whatever the case may be. And now you've got to grow in that area to be able to help walk alongside and, and sharpen or minister to that man. So that'd be my answer. Tom can answer on his own. I think it teaches you grace, uh, gentleness. I- I'm rough around the edges, I'm told. And uh, a lot of times my delivery is uh, like an airplane coming in hot with the wheel broke. And, um, and so in that way, as I've had people share with me how I've, talk to somebody back to me and I go, is that how I sound? And they'll, yes, that's how you sound. And I'm like, man, I would, I'm not really receptive of that. And so it's taught me to be, uh, or at least attempt to be, uh, loving, gentle. It's a lot of attributes of Christ as mm-hmm. I'm talking to uh, other people, whether it be my own wife and kids or a man at church. And so I, my biggest takeaway from what I've seen and impacted uh, me with investing in other men is, I'm much more gracious and kind and, and uh, slower to anger and um, giving and forgiving than I probably have been ever in my whole life. Uh, because uh, to love, I say the number one qualification for the federal making is you have to be willing to love another man. Um, and so in that way, uh, all, all the other stuff will come along the way. But if I can't love a guy and, and teach him uh, about the godly stuff that I've learned in my life uh, in, in a Christ-like way, uh, guys aren't looking for some Marine Corps drill sergeant 
to, uh, you know, to tell them how they're wrong. Uh, a lot of guys need encouragement. They need spurred on. They need challenge. But in the challenge, there needs to be, you know, love and, and kindness and gentleness and peace and patience. And, uh, and that's what uh, I would say my big takeaway as I've invested in men uh, has impacted my own personal life. So, yeah, I love that. So this is interesting. You guys had said earlier on that, that when you invite a guy for coffee, that that's awkward. You know, that's really not what that, the coffee meeting. That's not, that's a Christian guy thing. You know, I've had guys, I say, Hey, let's go have coffee. And their first question is, well, what I do wrong? What's wrong? They don't, they don't relate because they, they're in their world to like invest and to love another dude. They don't get that. Right. And so you guys have a chapter that's very powerful. Chapter three of your book you, you ask a question that John Eldridge says is one of the, it's the first question that young men ask when they're younger. And your chapter title is, do you have what it takes? And so my question to you guys, and I'll, I'll go to uh, either one of you can answer. Cheshire, you can go first, Tom. Uh, you know, how, how does a man know? Because I can hear men right now thinking as they drive to work, I don't, I don't have what it takes. I can't disciple another man. And I think you would both argue that that is a lie. What does it, when you say, do you have what it takes, what does it take to be a disciple maker? Well, I think it goes back to some of the things that Tom Ginzer was talking about earlier, you know, just that, that it's a lie that I don't think I'm theologically astute enough or, or whatever. You know, I mean, the, 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 the objections are plentiful, yeah. right? Yeah. And so it, it's, it's really, that chapter is, is the question, do you have what it takes? But what, I hope what the chapter accomplishes is that we're trying to communicate that you do, right? Exactly. That, that this is an ordinary man. And you do have what it takes. Um, and, and, but, but it does take some stuff, right? It does take commitment. It does take perseverance. It, it's going to take some thick skinness. It's going to take some humility. It's going to take some things that you may not really have, you know, deep in your uh, resource bucket. But you you do have what it takes, and and to think that you don't is already revealing that Satan has got you convinced of otherwise, right? But but God, I mean, I mean, let's let's just be real. Jesus wouldn't have said in Matthew twenty eight eighteen through twenty, "Go and make disciples," if it wasn't for all of us, right? So you, you can't tell me you don't you don't have what it takes. If you're a believer, if you're a professing believer, you have what it takes because God has not only told you you've got what it takes, he's commanded you to go and do it. Yes. Well, you said here, you said every man, every church, everywhere is capable of investing in the lives of other men. So in your book, you talk about lowering the bar, not lowering the qualification, but just saying, hey, guys, this is every one of us should be doing this. If you're 18 years old, go go find a middle school kid and invest in that guy. So, Tom Gensler, why don't you address the same question? Yeah, so I would say uh, the church in North America has left discipleship up to the professionals, or we've told people that let the, let the professionals disciple your kids, let the professionals teach you about godliness. Um, and I think um, that's not how I read the Bible. And so um, do you have what it takes? Uh, as, as Robert Lewis has taught me, uh, about awareness. Do you have what it takes? Every man's going to say yes. The answer, the correct answer, the godly answer is not nearly enough. I don't know nearly enough, but I want to know more. I want to be, yeah. uh, I want to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus and invite the Holy Spirit into this. And then God does something really cool as He, uh, one, works through us and with us. 
to reach other people. And I tell guys all the time, do you have what it takes? Maybe not to invest in another guy yet. Here's where I want you to start your wife or with your own kids, because your kids are going to just love spending time with you. And they're going to let you mess up. And they're going to let you go, I don't really know the answer to that. Um, but in leading your kids, you're going to get this massive uh, yield in return on investment. And you're going to hone your skills out what's comfortable, what's not comfortable, investing in your wife, same thing. Uh, she's going to be honest with you. Uh, you know, and tell you that you're not very good at this or that or the other. And you can work through all those things. Um, but the do I have what it takes? We all have what it takes. But the real answer, the godly answer is I'm not, I don't know nearly enough, but I want to know more. I want to know more about the Bible. I want to know more about all these areas of, of godliness, which is why we have to be students of the word. We have to be students of other godly men. I'm constantly interacting with other men who I would consider, you know, further down the road than I am. And, and I've gotten some incredible national ministry leaders to, to disciple me by asking them. I've had guys say, well, how did you get that guy to invest in you? I said, I asked him. And they're like, that's all you did? I said, obviously, I knew him through the conference ministry, things like that. But I asked him, and they said yes. Uh, and so uh, in that way, I've had uh, what I would consider spiritual giants invest in me just by asking guys to, to teach me what they've learned about God or teach me, you know, for could we spend, you know, eight weeks. Uh, on the phone and you teach me something because I've had guys disciple me on the phone and guys disciple me face to face. And so we all have what it takes to, to initiate and start that relationship with their own wife and kids. Uh, more than likely, we all have what it takes. I tell guys this all the time. If you've been married for 30 years, you can teach a man something about marriage. If you've worked at a career for 30 years, you can teach uh, a, another man about work. If you've managed your finances well, you can teach another man about how to manage your finances if you, you know, raise good kids, uh, you know, you can teach another guy how to, you know, some things you've learned along the way. And that's all part of the relationship building process that leads a man towards uh, growing in Christ likeness. Man, there's, I knew this interview would go very, very fast and we're out of time, but I, I still have one. I've got about four questions to ask, but I'm going to ask one question. And uh, my goal is that these guys pick up your book, read your book, do what it says, start a discipleship making relationship. So tell me about, and I know that you've got a whole section in the back of your book called The Guide, uh, this whole section back here, but just quickly, what what does that meeting look like? So when I show up to a, a meeting where I am being discipled or I am discipling somebody else, what does that meeting look like? What are the components of that meeting? Okay, here's how it goes for me, and I, I just started two new disciple-making relationships in the last, since January 1. One's with a pastor. And one's with a, a lost individual. They both look the same. Beginning of them both look the same. Um, because I'm trying to get to know them. Uh, and the, the, the lost guy I kind of know because I worked with him for 12 years. But the, the pastor I know, but you know, I've served in different capacities with him, but I don't know them, right? Yeah. So that's, for me, it's all, those first few meetings are all just about relation building. Tell me about your, tell me about your dad. Tell me about your parents. Tell me about your childhood. Tell me about where you went to school. If they're married, tell me about your marriage. You know, it's all just asking those questions. So those are the first couple of weeks um, uh, for me, anyway. This is how I roll, um, and then I get to you know whatever wherever I get to a point where I feel like I, I have some understanding, and then I ask them to tell me their 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 faith story, right? Like how did how did, when did Jesus become real? How do you know? You know when did you when were you born again? Whatever language is appropriate that they would recognize and understand because now I want to know 
who am I dealing with, right? Am I dealing with an unbeliever or am I dealing with an immature Christian or am I dealing with a mature Christian? And so each one of those is going to help formulate how the, the, the disciple making goes outward from there, right? So there's formative things that I try to establish for me, just again, this is just the way I roll um, when I meet with guys to one, to build a relationship. And I'm, again, we go back to that hot and fat. I'm modeling and sharing my life and my struggles and my sordid childhood and all the crazy rebellious things I did, you know, so I'm not trying to sit on some high chair. Like I'm the godliest man you'll ever meet. And I didn't ever have any sin in my life. And I, you know, so I'm just, I'm, I'm parroting either I'm modeling or I'm parroting back to them the same things that they're sharing with me. I'm sharing about myself. So they get to know me. Right. So, and then it just goes from there. It just goes to then we, we like, um, the, the guy that I started meeting with, we're going to do uh, a book where we do the stu- a real brief study on the book of Mark, right? If it's somebody that I know, I- I'll usually, John, you know, is where I usually go with a lot of guys, just because if you walk through John with a, with a guy, it's, you know, there's a lot of good stuff there and it really helps me and it helps them and it, it develops a foundation, right? I, short books, James, I mean, you know, whatever it, I, again, all that's kind of predicated on the, those formative things that I'm trying to develop early on as to what book or how how I would pursue the Bible with this individual going forward, right? Because the non-believer guy that I just started meeting with this week, he, I'm I'm pretty confident he doesn't he's never made a profession of faith and he's not a born again believer. The study that I'm doing in Mark is basically to take someone from unbelief to belief in a disciple making relationship. Oh, I appreciate that. Tom Gensler, how do you do it? So I would say, uh, I mean, it's a lot like Cheshire just described, but I would say that uh, it, it looks a little different with each guy. So like I just met with a guy yesterday for the first time that uh, he wants me to invest in him. And uh, we'd been texting. I'd never seen the guy face to face until I picked him up from work <laughs> and took him to McDonald's. And, uh, and so real deal, this guy is in crisis mode, you know, his wife, his wife uh, wants to leave him. And so we're addressing the immediate issue, uh, you know, the, the, is his marriage and how I can help him, you know, grow and get his godly manhood is centered around being a husband and a father. Um, sometimes I, I think the average disciple relationship could probably last around a year, but, uh, sometimes guys just need certain things. Other times guys need a complete overhaul. Uh, sometimes like there's a, a guy in my church that I'm discipling and what he needs to learn is what it looks like to disciple another man. He has the capacity to disciple he just needs to learn what it looks like. Uh, and so in all of that, it's kind of gauging where the relationship's at, where each person's at spiritually. I do think that um, the, it's, discipleship's highly relational. It's not rigid. So if, if we don't get to something, I'm cool with that. Uh, I, I'm more worried about taking care of the man's soul, getting to know him on a really intimate personal level, which then, then, becomes, very, then becomes very real. And in all of that, um, I tell people discipleship is costly of your time, talents, and resources uh, in, in every way, uh, in every stretch of the imagination. I'm investing in six guys right now. One guy I drive 40 minutes to meet with them, and people go, well, you drive to them? Well, yeah, the guy works in a different town. I mean, I, I work, I'm a professional ministry guy. I do this for a living, and so I meet him where he's at. Uh, we're doing, me, me and this guy are doing, a, that guy, the guy in a different town are doing a, a book study, the guy that I met with yesterday, it's, it's, you know, crisis mode right now, just trying to get to know each other. I have another guy that I meet with, and 
and we're going through the real life discipleship guide that you see in the back of the book there. We're literally going through that. And I don't, I don't use the guide and put a piece of paper in front of me and make it look all workbooky. Cause I, there's a lot of discipleship material out there. That's kind of like a, a guide or a, or a, um, uh, a workbook that you kind of go through and okay, what's answer one, what's answer two. My suggestion for a guy who wants to become a good disciple maker is you, you digest it and you get it into your head, into your heart. And so I know where I want to go with the guy. I don't need to like look at my own guide. Uh, I, I don't. I, I just need maybe a primer because I don't want it to look like a, a classroom experience. I want it to be natural. I want to talk about marriage and I want to talk about you know, you know manhood and, and and the Bible and different things. But I'm not wanting it to feel like it's a, a study. And because we had a church we were coaching with and they all went through this discipleship curriculum they purchased and they came to us and they said. We did it. And we said, what did you do? They said, we, we completed the six-month discipleship process that we got in this this uh, curriculum that the church bought. And we said, so what are you doing with it now? And they said, nothing. And I said, surely there has to be a multiplication process in, in this material. And the guy goes, huh, I don't recall reading that, but we did it. And so discipleship isn't this thing that you do. Uh, it's like a part of your faith walk. Um, a lot of these were not really ever officially end. Uh, maybe that you, it's a season and you transition and you, you help the guy grow in a certain area of his life. Cause really what, what I'm really passionate about is manhood, marriage and parenting. Uh, and anything around that I want to talk about and I want to talk about it a lot with anyone, any guy. And so other things I would funnel off to someone else to say, maybe this guy is, is better for you in this area. Cause I really want to help you become a better husband and a better dad. Uh, and, and so, uh, but realizing who you are, realizing who you're not. And there can be some formalities to it. Like, hey, I'd like to meet for a year on Tuesdays at 12 o'clock. Um, let's do our best to, to, to stick to that. And, and you as the disciple maker have a plan on where you want to take someone spiritually. Um, and, and, and so it looks different, I think, for a lot of guys. But I also think in the same way, there's a lot of similarities in that. Uh, it's just super relational. And I'm not working off a checklist. Well, <clears throat> I do appreciate uh, that. And, and in the book, you guys, I, I could sense that in the book. You didn't want to nail it down too legalistic, but you did want to give a format. In the book, you said um, it should be fairly straightforward. Start with prayer, look around you, and go for it. Think about friends, neighbors, coworkers, extended family. Follow this simple plan, which I think is really good. Meet weekly, get to know each other, which you both have said. Open Scripture, apply them, and pray. And I think that I have found in my disciple-making processes, if I'm not willing to open the Bible, I'm not making a disciple. And so I appreciate you guys putting that in there. I think that's really important. Uh, guys, thanks so much for coming on the show. Is there anything that you'd want to add at the end of this thing? Uh, you know, I, I think we, we, you asked, you know, what this book was born out of, uh, you know, I think it was a desire to see literally every man in every church grab a copy of this book, not so that we can become rich and famous, but so that the kingdom would grow and advance because men get off of their, you know, lazy duff and do something. Because I think that that's, that's the, that's the curse of that we see in, in Genesis, right? Is our passivity. And so we're prone to being passive. Yeah. So we're sure. just my, my end comment on the book and, and our lives and all this is just that other men would grab it and uh, apply it and do it because it is this simple, but it is this hard. It's again, it's like the gospel, right? Gospel is really very simple, but it's majorly complex, right? True. Very true. So disciple making, so you know, investing in other men, very simple, but very complex. It's going to look different with each individual because you're in a different season and they're in, you know, so um, I think our, our desire and our prayer has been, God, just use this book. 
expose it to men who will read it because it is short, it is readable, um, and that they'll then actually apply it and do it and go and ask, either ask to be in a relationship and be discipled or ask someone to disciple them or, or to that they might want to disciple either way. That'd right. be my close. Appreciate that. Young Tom? I think you've covered everything well, Jim. Thanks for the opportunity to be on your podcast. Hey, no, great. Hey, guys, how do they pick up your book? Do they go to what's your website address? RPMFM.org. Okay. And is it also available on Amazon or other outlets? Yeah. Yes. It's Amazon, on Amazon, Audible, Apple Books, Google Books. It's, our publisher says it's everywhere. Okay, you can get guys. It at Walmart. You can get it at Walmart. Really? Come on now. Hey, guys, I, I appreciate this. So it's the book is Real Life Discipleship, The Ordinary Man's Guide to Disciple Making by my friends Tom Cheshire, Tom Gensler, a.k.a. The Toms. Guys, thanks so much for being on our show and sharing your wisdom and your insight. So, guys, what's next? How do we get our boots on the ground? What action item? What will we do in response to what we've heard today? And here it is. This is really simple. You know it's coming. It's kind of like Dale's man word every, every week. Um, I, I just want you to find another dude and enter into a disciple-making relationship with that guy. Either you are the disciple-maker or you are the one being discipled. But it's so important that you get involved in one of those relationships. So guys, I want to challenge you to do that. We'll also post this Boots on the Ground action item in our weekly equipping blast for men that you can subscribe to at menontherena.org when you grab a free copy of my bathroom book for men. And make sure you head on over to Facebook and join the thousands of men from 85 countries around the world in our forum on Facebook. Till next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Disciple another dude. Grind it out. And... Men in the Arena is a non-profit, crowd-funded organization that exists to inspire men to become their best version. We're able to freely offer this podcast, weekly equipping blasts, discussion forums, plus our small group resources to the three M's, active military, missionaries, and men in underdeveloped nations. This could only happen because of a large group of generous donors like you. You can find out more about how to support our ministry at meninthearena.org. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men's from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.